Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Here we are. The last few weeks we've been um, looking at different components of the coming of Jesus. What happens as the result of what we celebrate at Christmas? What happens with the coming of Christ? And we've read the story, and if you've grown up around the church, you've heard the story a ton of times, and you're probably familiar with, you know, the shepherds and the magi and the stable and all of the things Um, And today we're looking at what happens when Jesus comes and the declaration of joy. So the shepherds are out in the field and the angels appear to them and they're afraid. And the angel declares to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And there was a declaration of joy to the shepherds. In the same way, the Magi are coming to follow the star to see what is there. What is the star revealing? And it says, they went on their way and the star, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So joy comes to the shepherds. Joy comes to the Magi. Joy comes to the mother and the father who bring this child, Jesus, into the world. And today when we think about the term joy, I just want us to kind of explore what it means for us today. What it means for us practically in our lives. And how we chase something that maybe sometimes feels quite elusive for us. Something that comes and goes with the ups and downs of life. And so today I want to talk about this. The gift of joy comes and goes and we can make way for its returning. The gift of joy comes and goes and we can make way for its returning. So first of all, the idea of joy as a gift, that we would embrace joy today and every day of our lives for the gift that it is, that we would recognize how wonderful joy is, that we would embrace it fully when we have the pleasure of experiencing joy in everyday life. But also the reality of the nature of joy, that it comes and it goes, it ebbs and it flows with the the things that happen in our lives, with the perspectives that we take on, with the experiences that we have. But we're not a victim when it comes to the idea of joy. We have the opportunity to be proactive in the process of manifesting joy in our lives as we live alongside of God and others. And so we're going to look at those things today and look at joy. And it's my hope that as we even just focus our minds and our hearts and our spirits on joy today, that joy would raise in this room among us and that we would go from this place with the smile on our face that reflects the joy that is springing up in our hearts as joy rises around us today. So kind of a metaphor as I was thinking about joy uh, this week, and I was really just trying to like figure out like how can we talk about joy? And it kind of came to this metaphor of the idea of like joy being like the sun. And so we experience the warmth of joy when the sun is shining. But we don't want to live in a place where it's sun all the time. That's called a desert and it never gets cloudy and it never rains and the ground dries up and it's just kind of this wasteland. On the other side, we don't want to live under 
constant cloud cover all the time. I remember going to, uh, I went to Europe for like 10 days in January of 2012-ish, somewhere in there, 14-ish, I don't know. Time runs together for me, I don't know. It was great time. I don't remember when it was, but it was awesome. And I don't know, has anybody ever been to Europe in January? Yeah, yeah, one of us, so we know, we know. Uh, it's always raining and it's very cold and always overcast. So we flew in and out of Ireland actually, and we leave the airport and it's like, oh, this is way colder than I anticipated it was going to be. And I didn't bring enough clothes. And I just remember we were like standing there waiting for the bus from the airport to take us into the city. And we're all just like huddled together like penguins shaking. And for the next two weeks, it was kind of like that. So grateful for the trip, had an amazing time. But when I got home, I went outside in the Florida sun of January and literally just stood in my front yard and looked up at the sun for about 20 minutes with my eyes closed. Because <laughs> I just needed the sun. Right? And I think when we think about joy, like the reality is we live in a world a lot like Florida. Like the clouds come at unexpected times and it removes us from the beauty and warmth of the sun. In the same way, the experiences of life can come and distract us or prevent us from experiencing the fullness of joy. But one of the beautiful things about Florida is the clouds move on sometimes 10 minutes after the rain comes and there's a giant deluge. And, and that's for me, as I was thinking about it this week, that's our experience as humans in this world with joy. And I think there's a lot to be learned in that process. And so I want to draw us kind of this picture of, of what I, I think so maybe we, we sometimes experience joy as. So I want to draw this little dotted line right here as like, I'm okay. That's what that is. I'm okay. That's the dotted line, right? And then there's this idea, like maybe three pictures that I just described. It's like we're experiencing joy all the time. We live in this state of like euphoria, I guess. And I don't know a lot of people like that, and I'm not even sure that's the way we're supposed to live. And maybe there's this other piece of us that, you know, we experience joy, and then something happens in our lives, and we take this curve downward, and then we've just stayed down here. And joy feels removed from our lives. And we feel like we're living below I'm okay, or maybe we're just living at I'm okay, but we never experience the beauty of joy. And then there's this other thing that I think is really the place that we as humans on earth are meant to live. And it's the range of experience that allows us to experience life with the depth of emotion that we have been gifted with. And it looks like this. Sometimes joy is there and it's awesome and then something happens or we lose sight and we dip below this I'm okay, I'm fine place. And then maybe we come back and we spend some time right here at I'm fine and then we kind of get ourselves out of that slump as we move through life and we navigate life and we experience the joy of life and we experience transformation as the result of our relationship with God. And we live here for a while and then maybe we dip back down and we come back up. And I think life is meant to be lived on this curve and it brings us in and out of our experience with joy. And I think sometimes if we take a perspective that this is where I have to be all the time, we move into a place of 
a false expectation that leads us to depression, that leads us to thinking that something is wrong with us, that we've messed up, that we haven't gotten it right. And so I want to talk through kind of these three things for a moment and then look at what we can do even in the midst of the difficult times to be part of the proactive process of turning our eyes, hearts, and spirits back toward joy. So joy, again, this idea of being up here, of experiencing the joy and beauty and happiness of life, it's a beautiful thing. The writer of Ecclesiastes now, I'm not, I, don't, I don't take Ecclesiastes as like gospel truth, believe everything that it says. Because Ecclesiastes is this line. And the writer of Ecclesiastes writes through all of this stuff. So sometimes the thing that the writer of Ecclesiastes is writing from, the place that writer is writing from is right here. And that's beautiful. Like so much art, so much creativity happens down here in just this like really difficult place of life. When we experience, you know, so many, how many songs have been written because somebody got dumped? right? That's this. And some of Ecclesiastes is written from here. And it's not that we would, uh, we would take those things and adopt them for our lives, but that we would understand that it's okay to be expressive from any place along this graph. And I think, so anyway, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of, their, of the life God has given them under the sun. And so there's some really great stuff in here. And I think some of the great stuff in here is embrace joy. Don't feel guilty about being joyful. When circumstances surround us and they're wonderful, celebrate them, love them, cherish them. That we would cherish the beauty and joy of life. And joy surrounds us in happy circumstances. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, David has just defeated the Philistines and they're coming back into the city. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all of the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with timbrels and lyres. And it was this beautiful picture of the victory of life that brings a moment of happiness and joyousness. And we should be people who are willing to experience the joy of life, who value experiencing the joy of life, and who fight to experience the joy of life. Luke chapter 10, the 72 had been sent out. And then they returned. They were sent out to heal and to preach and to teach and to love and to care. And the 72, after Jesus had sent them out, these disciples, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And it was their ability to celebrate that, to understand how beautiful that is, to understand that Jesus had empowered them and in their faith and moved them to a place of saying, we're so grateful for how God has commissioned us and that the Holy Spirit is working powerful in us and through us. And we don't feel guilty about that. We don't feel shame for that. We live in the fullness and the freedom of joy. And I want us to live in that place. I want us to experience that thing. I want us to believe that joy is a wonderful gift. Embrace it, celebrate it, cherish it. Are we people who can just laugh? Are we people who can smile? Are we people who can get up in the morning and hope for joy? 
A couple nights ago, um, I'm in a show right now at Matt Cal Theater, and uh, a couple nights ago, there's this moment where on the, there's like eight actors across the back of the stage, and we're all clapping as two actors are up front singing. And we're supposed to stop clapping at some point, and I just totally forgot to stop clapping. And so like all seven of the other actors had stopped, and then I'm still like up here like just clapping away. And the girl right next to me, she like looks at me like I'm crazy, and then we have this exchange on stage, and both of us like get to that point where you're not supposed to be laughing right now, but man, it's really hard, which makes you want to laugh even more. Fortunately, it was almost to the point where we were able to walk off the stage. So when we walked off the stage, like both of us just started cracking up. And it's just those little glimpses, those moments of like, this is so weird. What are we even doing here? Like, what is this thing? And then to experience those moments with other people where we can laugh and be light. And whether it's something as simple as that or it's the birth of a child or like getting to see a friend after a long time. Are we embracing joy in our lives? Are we celebrating it and cherishing it? And there's this interesting thing, like I think I've been taught growing up that like joy is something that I'm supposed to and must have if I'm a good Christian all the time. And there's this pressure on joy as opposed to it being the lightness that it is, the gift that it is. And as I was looking at literally like every mention of the word joy in the Old Testament and the New Testament this week, I kind of started to see like the way the word joy is used in the Old Testament is always in response to something beautiful that happens in life. It's always a response. And it's a response of gratitude and it's a response of lightness like we just read with David coming back and they had experienced this victory. And all of the people pull out their instruments and they go into the street and they dance and sing and play songs. And then as we start to move into the Old Testament, there's this idea that kind of shifts that joy is an object that we can possess. It's something that we're supposed to have. And if we don't have it, then we need to do something to get it. And what's interesting is I think both are concurrently true. So in the New Testament, we see this idea here in 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always or be joyful always in the King James Version. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And there's a difference here. Whereas in the, New, the Old Testament, it was something awesome happens, let's experience joy together. And this, in Thessalonians, is this command that kind of says, no matter what your circumstances are, in all circumstances, give thanks, rejoice always, pray continually. And it goes from this thing that's a reaction to our circumstances to something that we can carry with us at all times. And so... I, I think that, again, there's this idea of we have this opportunity to celebrate the things that come as the result of wonderful circumstances in life. And then there's this other half of it that we see in the New Testament that is despite your circumstances, possess joy. And that's where I think the pressure comes in of I must be doing something wrong if I'm not experiencing joy right now. There must be something broken about me. And I don't think that's what this command is meant to do for us. I don't think this command is meant to say, if you're not rejoicing always, if you don't rejoice in every circumstance, something is wrong with you, you've lost the object of joy, and you need to work hard at getting joy back. I don't think that's what it is. But more on that in a second. 
So I want to um, move into this other idea of being robbed of joy and just living down here all the time. Like maybe something has happened in your life that's caused you to say, you know what, I remember being like a light person at one point in life. And then maybe just the circumstances of life have whittled me down to the point where I'm just hanging out down here below the I'm okay, I'm all good line. And we're in the same way, I don't think we're meant to live up here all the time. I don't think we're meant to live down here all the time. To me, you know, Christmas season, this is Ebenezer Scrooge down here. Like Ebenezer Scrooge has forgotten how to possess joy. And I went and saw the play this week um, of the story. And one of the things that I kind of saw in the midst of seeing that was this idea like Ebenezer Scrooge has family in his life who want to love him. Like they want him to come spend time with them. He has all the food he needs. He has a bunch of money. And, and even, even in all of those circumstances, he has forgotten the joy of being grateful for those things. He's developed a pattern and a habit in his life that keeps him removed from joy, regardless of the circumstances in his life. I think the same thing can happen to us. And I want us to realize that it's healthy at times to release joy in appropriate moments. I'm not saying never come down here. It's healthy for us to release joy at the appropriate moments. We see Jesus weeping when his friend Lazarus dies. It's good for us to experience the breadth of emotion. In James 4, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's this picture of repentance that comes with a sense of grieving and mourning. But when joy runs and hides, when we feel ourselves down here, we have the opportunity to prepare for its returning. So that's this line. It's this line of down and up and joy and sorrow and difficulty and I'm okay. And here we go again. We're moving upward toward joy. This is where we're meant to live. It's healthy to live with the full spectrum of emotional experience. There's a verse that says, heaven rejoices when one who is lost is found. And if there's this idea of joy in heaven, it says to us, okay, heaven isn't just one constant line of joy. Heaven, a perfect place, a, pic a picture of perfection, has an emotional range of experience. And so I don't want us to think we have to be up here all the time. And I don't want us to think that we should develop patterns to be down here. But understanding it's valuable and okay to experience the emotional range of life. Psalm 35, one that we know from, you know, the awesome song. Though the sorrow may last for the night, his joy comes with the morning. I'm trading my sorrows. Nobody? Okay. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. All right. You want to keep, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. You got some hand motions? Yes, Lord, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yes, okay. Woo, joy. And if we come down here, 
If we come down here and we experience the range of motion of, of our emotional life and we experience this range, but we start feeling guilty, if we start feeling guilty because we think we're supposed to be up here all the time, if we start feeling guilty for experiencing the full spectrum of emotion of life, it will prevent us from raising to joy again. I think guilt is one of the biggest roadblocks to us experiencing joy because somewhere along the way, somebody told us we have to be joyful all the time. And it robbed us from the full emotional spectrum of life. And if we live a real human life of experiencing the ups and downs, the joy and the pain of life, then we never posture ourselves to prepare for the returning of joy. Feeling guilty for not being joyful will only delay joy's return. So how do we, today and every day of our lives, uncover joy in the midst of every circumstance? And this is where I think we start getting, when we look at that passage of 1 Thessalonians, which says, be joyful always. It's to say, I recognize that right now you may not feel joy, but there's an opportunity to move into a place of hope. And so I think that command in 1 Thessalonians is to say, even in the midst of pain, remember the hope that you have. Even in the midst of difficulty and sorrow, keep on the back of your mind, in the side of your mind, written with lipstick on your mirror, the fact that another way is possible. Hebrews chapter 12 for the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What a dichotomy. I mean, Jesus was sweating blood. Like it wasn't all roses. We know it was hard. Yet in the moment, there was something that was joyous in Jesus' spirit even as he moved toward the most difficult and painful moment of his life. James chapter 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Doesn't mean that we're happy. It doesn't mean that we're feeling joy. It doesn't mean that it feels like the feeling that we felt when our firstborn was born. But there's this thing inside of us that even down, down here, when we slump in the emotional state of life, there is a sense of hope about what is to come. Joy accompanies our response to life's experiences. So the experiences and circumstances of our lives may cause us to dip down here in an emotional place, but how we respond in this moment determines whether or not a joy will, a joy will accompany us on the emotional ups and downs of life. So how do we uncover joy in the circumstances of life? I think the thing that we don't do is try to force ourselves to feel joy. Anybody ever struggled to sleep? If you ever struggled to sleep, you know like the worst thing you can do is try to force yourself to sleep, right? So like the thing you don't want to think about when you can't sleep is how do I make myself sleep? And I think the same is true for joy. It's not if joy is missing, I need to really try very hard to will myself to be joyful, 
I don't think that's the way that we enter back into joy. I think there are four things I'm going to talk about right now that are things that are apart from trying to force ourselves into joy, that as we look at these four things and we reconsider these four things in our lives in the midst of any circumstance, they'll help us re-enter into joy. And it's not, by golly, I'm going to force myself into joy. It's what are the things that are surrounding our lives? that are causing us to be robbed of joy. So how do we uncover joy in the midst of life circumstances? Number one, experience the tough times fully. And this may be hard. Like if you're somebody who's all about achievement or all about trying to make things seem okay or all about appearances, which are things all of us struggle with, this might be hard for us to experience the tough times fully. But ignoring the pains of life only keeps them around, delaying the arrival of joy. If you and I have had traumatic or difficult experiences and our response to those experiences is to pretend like they didn't happen, we may be able to, for a time, for a year, for a decade, for 20 years, for 30 years, for the rest of our lives, ignore that those things happened to us but they'll always be there under the surface. But when we experience rough moments in life and we're able to experience those rough moments the way that they are, with the truth that they are, it allows us to enter into them, to experience that pain fully so that we can actually then begin to heal and recover and move forward. This is counseling. Like the whole point of counseling is to like, what are the things that you've tried to ignore or smooth over? The counselor is there to help you reapproach the things that have happened in your life that are causing you to, to, to not move into the fullness of joy because you've never fully experienced those pains of life. So I think when we are willing to experience the pain of life fully, it frees us from those moments, from those experiences, so that we can start the process of stepping back into joy. I think one of the things, and I don't know Ebenezer's background, but like my suspicion is that Ebenezer lost joy and forgot how to get it back because there were some things that happened in his life. He was scorned, he was rejected, and the best way he knew how to deal with it was to pretend like it never happened. And it gave him a hard heart so that he was scorning and rejectful to other people and could never experience the joy of the own his own circumstances, his own relationships, even the money that he had, everything was robbed of joy. And that happens to us when we don't fully experience the pains of life when they happen to us. Now there's the other half of that, which is if we build our lives around pain, it can also keep us down here removed from joy. But in order to experience joy in all the circumstances of life, I think it begins with experiencing fully the tough times. And then we know, like this idea of though the sorrow lasts for the night, joy comes with the morning. It's not to say pretend like the sorrow didn't happen. It's to say the sorrow will last for a time. And that's what it means to be a human living on the planet Earth right now in 2018. But God's joy comes with the morning as we navigate through that and feel it fully. 
Another way that we can uncover joy in the midst of any circumstance is to build a strong relational foundation. As I was looking at these verses around joy in both the Old and New Testament, I saw so much of this idea of joy being attached to relationship. And uh, Sorry, yeah, joy being attached to relationship. But relationship is also the source of our greatest pain. So this is the dichotomy of the whole thing. Relationship is the source of our greatest pain and our greatest joy, but we can't let the fear of pain rob us from the joy of today. Maybe you've prevented yourself from attaching deeply to relationships because of the pain of past relationships. But if we don't have a strong relational foundation in our lives, there's a much higher chance we're going to we're going to descend away from joy and stay removed from joy. Relationship plays an integral role in our lives in helping us experience the fullness and joy of life. John 15, Jesus is uh, kind of giving this command, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I, I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so there's this joy attached to relationship with Jesus and then in verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life. And so we see relationship with God, relationship with people, and sandwiched right in between those two things is the completeness of joy. I don't think we can separate joy in our lives from relationship. I think a strong relational foundation with God and people is integral to our ability to experience joy. And relationship is hard and relationship is painful, but if we've experienced pain in relationship that is preventing us from connecting to God and connecting to people, there is, there is something that will happen in us that will prevent us from experiencing joy to its fullness. And that's why I think we have these commands all over the place to like, if you got an issue with somebody, take care of it. Let's go. <laughs> Where are we going, Heather? <laughs> because it's weird to talk about Ebenezer Scrooge so much. But like that's the picture of a joyless human. And what is happening in his life? His family keeps inviting him over for Christmas dinner and he keeps saying no. And these three ghosts of the past, the present, and the future, they visit him. And he sees a future where nobody shows up to his funeral and he dies lost and alone and sad and depressed. And it's in that moment where he recognizes why am I even alive if that's where I'm going to end up? And what does he do? Christmas morning, he wakes up, he opens his window, he starts connecting with the people on the street. He starts shouting to them about how wonderful life is. Different Christmas story. It's a wonderful life, <laughs> right? Then he goes to his nephew's house and he shows up and they are so weirded out. Like, who are you and what is happening and why are you here? And then when work starts, you know, I think the next day, he's still a little miserly, I guess. 
Bob Cratchit comes in and he like tells them to start putting coal on the fire because, you know, they live in this existence where it's just like cold in their office all the time because he wants to save money by not burning coal. And it just changes for him. He remembers and recognizes what's important. And he begins connecting with the people in his life, the people around him. He begins to rediscover the joy of relationship. Loving relationship is a spring of joy for us to return to. So in the midst of difficult circumstances, when things are really tough in life, when things are really tough over here at work or things, you know, somebody said something mean to us over here. And if we have the spring of a loving relationship that we can return to, we find joy more quickly by having that foundation of relationship that we can return to, people that we love and people who we know love us. You maybe heard of blue zones before. These are like areas of the world where there's a high concentration of people who live to be over the age of 100 years old. And they've done a lot of studies on like, why are these places in the world places where people live a long time? And there's some dietary things that they discover. Um, of course, like they don't smoke, right? But they do drink like one wine, glass of wine a day, so... Uh, but two of the things that they discovered in, that's consistent with all of these locations is um, these two ideas of uh, close relationships and social integration. Close relationships and social integration. And they are some of the strongest predictors of how long we will live. Close relationships and our ability to integrate into the social fabric of the community that surrounds us are two of the primary indicators of longevity for us. So this stuff isn't just about like, how am I going to feel while I'm alive? It's a direct correlation to how long our lives will be. Close relationship and social integration are integral for us to have joy in life. And honestly, I think those two things are related. And this is thinking, not science. Joy, I think, helps us live longer. There's probably some science to back it up. I just don't know. Any psychologists in the room? And so the ability for these people to return to the close relationships in their lives and their ability to be socially integrated and to have relationships, not just close ones, but the relationships with the people around them allows them to return to joy and extends their longevity. Another thing that we can do to uncover joy in the midst of any circumstance is to shift our perspective. Shift your perspective. So Paul, it's been prophesied to him toward the end of his ministry that no matter where he goes, whatever city he goes to, he's going to face trial. He's going to face persecution. He's going to be beat up. He's going to experience physical harm. Paul has this prophecy over his life. And in Acts chapter 20, he says this, but none of these things move me. None of these prophecies move me. None of these threats of persecution, none of these threats of violence, these aren't the things that prevent my feet from moving or cause my feet to move in the other direction, nor do I count my life dear to myself that, so that I may finish the race with joy. And so Paul is presented with a list of scary things and he says, that's not the perspective that I'm going to take. That's not the list that I'm going to dwell on. 
There's another list for me. There's the list of the promise of eternal life. There's the list of the promise that I will bring good news to people. There's a list to the promise that if I go and tell, these people will be brought to life. That's the list that Paul is looking at. That's how Paul has shifted his perspective from here are all the threats in your life to here's the motivating factors for me. In light of the truth of this list, I'm going to look at these things and those things are going to move me. So there is a clipboard with you. It was on your seat when you came in. I want you to pick that up. We're going to pause for just a moment and get practical with this idea of shifting our perspective. Just draw a line down the middle uh, of the paper vertically. Vertical line down the middle of the paper. Here, I'll turn it like this. A line like this. Just draw a line like this. And on, uh, on the left side, as you're looking at it, I want you to write a list of this. What circumstances, experiences, or attributes do I not want to define my life? Just the top one on the left. Don't move on to that second half. Pretend like it's not there and you can't see it. What circumstances, experiences, or attributes do you not want to define your life? Things that have happened to you, things that you've done, experiences that you've had, attributes that people have said about you that you think are negative. I just want you to be intentional about like being honest with yourself right now. What circumstances, experiences, or attributes do you not want to define your life? On the other half of that paper, I want you to write this second thing. What circumstances, experiences, or attributes do you want to define your life? What are areas of hope? What are attributes or experiences that you've had that bring you joy, that are wonderful, that are amazing, that you're grateful for? We could spend the rest of our lives on these two lists, and I hope that we do. Um, I, I think that sometimes there's a tendency to look at that left column that you wrote and pretend like those things aren't real, pretend like those things don't exist, pretend like the best way to deal with them is to ignore them. But what's true is this. We just sat in this room, and I gave you this prompt, and those things were in you. Those memories were in you, those labels were in you, those pieces of your personality were easily accessible. Those things are real. And we can't pretend like life is just up here and we don't have to look at that list. We got to deal with those things. We have to acknowledge those things. But we don't have to obsess over those things. We don't allow those things to defeat us, and we don't allow those things to define us. We shift our perspective to the things that were written on the right side of that piece of paper. Those are the things that define us. Those are the experiences that define us. Those are the directions that we're moving in. And as we deal with the things on the left side of the list, it allows us to continue to not only shift our perspective, but to become those things 
and to be those people and to experience more of those things that we want to define our lives. And so one of the best ways to return to joy is to deal with that stuff on the left side of the piece of paper and to shift our perspective to allowing the right side of that piece of paper to define who we are and where we're going. And lastly, I think one of the best ways that we can experience joy in the midst of life's circumstances is to do something. Is that on there? Do something. Just picture the Nike swoosh. Um, difficult circumstances may endure, but there is joy that accompanies the hope of action. So if difficult circumstances around us continue to endure, which are things that are real, like sometimes we have pains or experiences that will walk with us for years at a time. But again, we have the opportunity to enter into joy even in the midst of those difficult circumstances. And sometimes that means doing something. Because if something difficult surrounds us, if a difficult surround, circumstance surrounds us and we just sit down and give up, we surrender ourselves to the joylessness of that circumstance. But there's hope that comes when we believe that God has empowered us to be a proactive agent of change in the midst of that circumstance. So I can stand up, I can start moving forward, and the reality that I was sitting in is no longer my reality because I have hope, because I believe that God has empowered me to bring change in the midst of that circumstance. And that hope helps shift our perspective so that we can adopt joy even in the midst of the difficult moment. And as we learn, as we mature, we learn to not let joy elude us for too long. I think, you know, there's like the picture of the child at Disney World who's hot and like miserable and tired because mom wanted to get there at like 8, 15 a.m., 45 minutes before they open the main gate. And so like by, by 11 a.m., the child's just like down here and wants to stay there, like wants to continue to pitch a fit wants to like just sit down on the pavement and be really loud. We've all seen it, right? But I think with maturity, like that's immature. It's understandable, but it's immature. And I think with maturity, we learn to not let joy elude us for too long. And so I think these, these dips in our experience with joy shorten up. And that doesn't happen just with like age. It happens with maturity. I think children can learn how to be resilient. And I think we as adults sometimes need to be better at learning to be resilient. We want to sit down on the pavement and cause a scene. And maturity, not, we could talk about that. I'm starting another message now, but as we mature, we learn to not let joy elude us for too long. And we, we value joy over getting our way. We value joy over all the other things that would like cause us to sit down and pitch a fit and to sulk. So let me quickly summarize, because I know I talked about a lot of stuff. It's okay to live life in the ups and downs. 
we're meant to do that. But joy is a gift and we have to embrace it. But we can also experience joy in every circumstance. And I think four things that we can do to help experience joy despite any circumstance, experience the tough times fully, build a strong relational foundation, shift your perspective and do something. Lord, inspire in us joy. Let's stand together. Everybody just take a deep breath. If, if you want to be a person of joy, just raise your hand. God, we want to be people of joy. We're raising our hand to say, me, I want that. I want to live a life that is light. I want to live a life that is full of joy. I want to experience the ups and downs of life fully. I want to deal with the junk of life so that I can be freed from it. And God, I want to experience joy for the gift that it is. As we sing these last couple songs, let's just sing them from a heart of joy. Allow God's joy to rise up among us and shift our perspective. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.